give you praise. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your tender mercies. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for how you have delivered us from the dominion of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of your dear son. Father, we thank you and we bless you. We glorify you. Take all the glory and all the honor and all the adoration because we have worshipped and prayed in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we thank you. We bless you. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, let's take our seats. Um, as we go, I, I didn't preach on Sunday, but there are certain things that uh, um, happened, and Sunday was a very good day for me because I, I really did get some things a lot more clarified for me when it comes to, you know, the things of grace and um, how, uh, how much God loves me. Um, because it is one thing to just, you know, give you scriptures and tell you what God has done. It is another thing to see it from a very, very practical point of view, how he brought it from the Old Testament and how grace was really in action, how you could see it. I mean, there was no controversy about that. So, but before I go into what I want to go to, any, any question, contribution, addition, and I'll try and do my best. And together, you know, we can do our best to see if we can cover it. So, any question, any, anybody got something that they want to share with us? Any addition? Any, any, uh, any doubts? Any, anything you don't agree with? So, we can start from there. Anybody? Okay, maybe I should ask this question. Because we know that Jesus Christ brought grace. The Bible talks about Jesus Christ. Okay. Okay. We know, about, we know the Bible talks about Jesus Christ. It said grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And he said there was grace in the Old Testament. How do you reconcile that? Any, any takers? So we, had, we saw grace in the Old Testament. But the New Testament tells us in scriptures that grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, Jesus did not just manifest in the, in the New Testament. He had been from the Old, 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 old Testament. From the time, from the time Adam and Eve fell, then the issue of how he will manifest later was announced that the the seed of the woman will deal with you. So, but in the creation of this itself, he was part of the of the creation. He was the the, the word that that did the work 
or all the, the, the creation. God only said, let there be light. It is the, 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 the word that came forth that ignited the light to, to be made manifest. And John, one will reveal it to us that should go back that he, before he was, was from the beginning and the word. Amen. That was, that was brilliant. You, you, okay, let me, let me explain it to you. He said, grace, or can you, can you go over it again? Or you want to go over it? Or? <laughs> he, said, he, said, when, he said, you know, like I said, the Bible says grace and truth was revealed by Jesus Christ, came by Jesus Christ. But on Sunday, we heard that there was grace in the Old Testament. All right? So we're trying to look for, you know, is that, is that contradictory? Is that not scripture? Is that, um, is that, not, is, 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 is that a contradiction? All right? So what he was saying, which I completely agree with, is that Jesus Christ was from the beginning. All right? When you talk about Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is not a New Testament phenomenon. All right? He was from the beginning with God. So uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God said, let us come together and create man in our own way. Who was he talking to? We know from John, the book of John 1.1. 1, 1. He said, in the beginning, in the beginning of what? In the, in the beginning of the beginning. So when God was there from the beginning. All right? In the beginning uh, was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. All right? So from the very, very, very beginning, it was the word. And Jesus Christ was even involved in creation too. But if he was the word, he said, all things were created by him. That's this word. And without him was not anything made that was made. So everything that we have seen, that we have uh, witnessed, everything that you look, everything that is tangible, even the untangible things were created by him. All right? So he was from the beginning, but he was just manifested as the word of God. All right? Or as the son of God. So because he was from the beginning, and God also is from the beginning, Jesus Christ did not just begin to manifest himself in the New Testament, although his real physical manifestation was in the, was in the New Testament. But really, his work actually started from the Old Testament. And that's why immediately man fell. Am I correct? Am I saying what you're saying? All right. So that's why when man fell, when man fell, all right, he said immediately God created the, the solution which is what we heard about grace. Immediately, God created a solution for the problem because God did not condemn them. Instead, he created a way from the beginning and said, hey, look, uh, his seed, I mean, his seed shall bruise your, this thing. The serpent will bite your heel and the, and the seed shall bruise his head or something like that, you know? So what he was saying is that from the beginning, Jesus Christ has been a part of the existence, or of our existence and the existence of the world and humanity and all of that. So that's why it's not contradictory. Even though he came to physically be manifested in the New Testament, everything about him has always been from the Old Testament. I don't know if, if that makes sense. That was, okay, yes, ma'am. Give a hand. Okay, okay, yes, yes, yes. Yes. That man was going to fall. Yes. That's why in the dispensation of the Old Testament, he had already made arrangements. Jesus Christ was laid on the foundations, foundations of the world. Exactly, exactly. Yes, ma'am.
Okay. He brought it up on Sunday. It was he. he yeah, he did bring it up on Sunday. Yes, 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 yes. That was that was an example of an express grace of God. All right. Yes, and in the New Testament. Yes, because it's still the same person, the same person of Jesus Christ that had been in existence from before the world. Like she said, from before the world was, from the before the world, even before Adam fell, grace was already in manifestation because he said he was been slain. Before the foundations, even before the world was created, he had already been slain. So when he appeared in the New Testament, it was not just, it was, it was like a now a physical manifestation of what has already been. Did that make sense? Did you, did, do you understand me? Do you understand what I said? You understand what I'm saying? What, what, did you understand what I said? I'm sorry for picking, <laughs> picking on you. You don't understand. Okay, so uh, can you give him the, give him the mic? Let me let him ask questions. All right. And you girls, smile. I will ask you a question very soon too. I'm just kidding. All right, go ahead. Do you have any question? What, what area do you, do you want us to elaborate or? You're lost, right? Okay, okay, okay. I was asking the question. If you, if you have a little understanding of scripture. Jesus Christ came. You know, the Bible is divided into the Old and the New Testament. Am I correct? Okay. And then Jesus Christ came in the New Testament. We started seeing him from the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is the New Testament. All right. But on Sunday, the message on Sunday was that, and we know that, sorry, before, before, before the Sunday, let me continue. He was, you know, he was, uh, we started seeing him in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All right. And we now saw that, you know, when he died, and all of that, they were all acts of grace. And grace means that, you know, he has been, you know, we have been redeemed and we are qualified to be children of God and to be partakers of everything that God has, everything that God possesses. So we have become, you know, heirs with God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ in terms of the fact that, you know, uh, God loves us so much and we're beneficiaries of his love. All right? So now, if the Jesus Christ is a New Testament thing, if he came in the New Testament, and we know that he came with grace, in other words, the forgiveness of our sins, am I correct? The forgiveness of our sins, and we becoming one with God, not just God forgiving us, but we becoming one with God in terms of we becoming children of God, am I correct? All right, so if that happens in the New Testament, and the preacher on Sunday said that grace was already in the Old Testament, and he showed us characters from scriptures, like Adam and Eve and Cain and um, all the other guys there, you know, that God showed grace, all right? So is it contradictory? That's what we're trying to say. Is it contradictory that Jesus Christ came in the New Testament? However, we're seeing grace in the Old Testament. Is that a contradiction of scriptures? And that was why our brother and our sister give us the reason why it is not contradictory. All right? And the reason why it's not contradictory is that Jesus Christ was part of the creation from the beginning of the world. So everything about the world, everything that has been created, Jesus Christ was a part of it. All right? But when he came in the New Testament, it was just a physical manifestation of his existence from the beginning of the world. So he was with God. So God was not crazy when he was saying, let us create man. Who was he talking to? He was talking to somebody. There were people. If there were no, if there were, if there were no people there, or, I mean, if there were no entities there, he wouldn't have said, let us create man now in our own image. You, you correct? You get what I'm saying? So Jesus Christ was part of it. And if you read John 1.1, 1, 1, the Bible tells us, 
It says, in the beginning was the word. So in the beginning of what? The beginning of creation. From when the world was created. Even before, I'm sorry. From the beginning of the beginnings. Before the world was even created. Jesus Christ was in existence with God. Alright? So, he was God. The Bible says, in the beginning was the word. Who is Jesus Christ? And you see it as we go, as we read the scripture. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He said, all things were created by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. All right? So there was nothing that was created that Jesus Christ was not involved in from the beginning. Do you get what I'm saying? So that's what we're saying. I don't know. Did it? Do you? You understand? Okay. 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 Any other addition, contribution, subtraction? Any other? Any other thing? Okay. All right, but one thing that really, really, really resonated with me on Sunday, all right, was the fact, and I want us to just talk about it, was the fact that God is so good. And for me, it became very, 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 very practical that God is not condemning me. God does not condemn anybody. It doesn't matter how bad the situation is or the circumstances is. God does not condemn anybody. If Cain could kill his brother and God still went there, God did not say, you know, you know uh, you're an idiot for killing your brother or you're a sinner, you're going to hell, I'm going to destroy you and all of these kind of things. All right? If God did not say that to Cain, then I don't see what else any other person can do that God will put them in some kind of condemnation. However, one of the major issues that we have as Christians or as believers and people is that we easily fall into the trap of condemnation. So if God is not condemning us, why do we easily fall into condemnation? Any takers? If God is not condemning us. Okay. Can you... The mic, okay. That's true. In that sense of the word. Yes, yes. I, I. So, in other words, yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. In other words, uh, the person that made the sacrifice is not condemning us. And if there's anyone that should condemn it, it's the person that's making the sacrifice. But he's not condemning us. Right? He, he, he doesn't, you know, he's not condemning us. In fact, uh, you know, some of the, sometimes the scriptures that they quote is that the Holy Spirit convicts you. But the Holy Spirit does not condemn you. He convicts. And the word convicts there does not mean, uh, I know in legal terminologies, it means you have been found guilty, you have been found, but that's not what it is. The, the, in, you know, the word convict there means he tries to convince you. He tries to win you. That's what that word convict means. 
if you look at it from the old, uh, from the King James, God, the Holy Spirit, you say, and when he that's John 16, I say, when he the Spirit of truth will come, he will convict the world of truth. But th- that convict is not a legal, it's not like we use it in the legal term here, where you know the, the judge will now tell you, Oh, you have been convicted of, you know, you're, you have been found guilty. If you have been found guilty, I mean you have been convicted. All right? That's what it is. But that it's not a legal term like we have it today. It's more like he the Holy Spirit. Is going to convince the world. He's going to show the world. He's going to convince the world, you know, of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. So, in other words, the Holy Spirit is not a... God, God does not condemn. The Holy Spirit does not condemn. All right? The Holy Spirit convinces you. He makes you see things. That's why when the Bible, that's why the Bible says that the eyes of you... How will it do it? Is it that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's how he opens your eyes to see things. He, he helps you to see things clearer. He helps you to make you see. So the Holy Spirit does not condemn, but where does condemnation come? Why do we easily get condemned? If God is not condemning, God did not condemn Adam with all that he has done. God did not condemn uh, Cain with all that he has done. And all those people in the Old Testament. Now, remember, we have a better covenant than they have, right? And God is not even condemning them now. So, how come? Because this is really, really crucial to our Christian faith. In, in 1 John 3, verse 21, the Bible, the Bible tells us that if we don't condemn ourselves, if we don't have that sense of condemnation, then it's easy to ask for all things that we want. Because a lot of times, the reason why we're not getting the things we're asking for, or the reason why we don't see God working in our lives, is because we have that sense of condemnation somewhere. We just have that sense of we're not worthy, we're not okay, we're not enough. Where does it come from? Yes, sir. Thank you. 
And if we if we see and um, first Corinthians seventeen says that we are one soul in Christ. We are joined to him in the spirit. If we begin to see how God sees us, he sees us as spirits. He sees us as spirits. And what we do, we express we express ourselves. No, not condemning other people. Why do we walk in condemnation oh, okay. as okay. Christians? You know, not condemning. That, that will always happen. Sometimes we condemn people because okay. they don't agree with us and all of that, those kind of things. But the thing is, uh, the one we're talking about is why do we walk in condemnation? Why do we feel? Uh, why do we feel we're not right enough? Do you understand? Before I God, I mean, I was just trying to. Like that word guilty because that's the, that's one of the that's one of the things about condemnation, yeah, right? Okay.
disobedience. Happens. Disobedience. So when that happens, it is said things that we now go or we sin against God, and then we want to instead of running to Him, what the creation of God said, instead of running to Him, we run away from Him, thinking, I mean, like an ostrich, an ostrich runs away and hides its face while the trouble is outside. I think that conviction is where we need to drive ourselves to, where we Amen. I, you know, I, 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 I can't argue with that, you know, from every, you know, all the contributions and all of that that has, you know, come up. Um, yes, it's, it's so hard, you know, sometimes just because, you know, we've been in this world and our understanding of love uh, is, is more like transactional, right? It's, a, it's transactional. You know, uh, our parents love us because we're smart. And when we're not smart, um, you know, they tend to, you know, give us, put us at an arm length. They, they love us because they show us love. Let me not say love. They show us love or what we call love because we're good kids. When you are good, your parents love you and they show you love. Immediately, uh, something goes wrong and all of that. 
it's difficult for, for them to distinguish. Uh, and then you look at society again, the way society has uh, put, you know, uh, the gravity of some certain kind of things in society. Say, for instance, mother, right? If you get convicted, society is going to kill you. Especially in this area, if, if they know or you go to jail for life or whatever and all of that. And um, if you look at the legal system, some people even escape, you know, that. But yet, uh, the people around him, he can't live in that area again, even when, you know, when there's just that little suspicion that this has happened. So, but you now come to a God who sees Cain, who kills his brother. And then he still did not condemn him. He's still explaining to him, you know, if you had done well, he still has a conversation with him. And this guy, you know, is as guilty as Satan. And he still came and was still negotiating with him, kind of, and still talking to him. If you had done well. And sometimes it looks like with God, if you are good, you're a sucker. You know, it, sometimes it, 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 it happens like that. And so in the world, you hear things like, you know, the good guys come last, right? But that is, that is not the essence of, with God, that's not the essence of justice, right? The, the essence of uh, justice with God is not the way we look at justice, right, in our own destiny. Justice is, uh, you, make some, you make something right for somebody who is doing right. Am I correct? That's our sense of justice here. If, if the guy is right, then he makes it right. Or then you make it right. The justice system tries to make it right for people who are, who are right. All right? But for God, a, you know, the sense of justice is always tempered with mercy. That's why he said, I desire mercy. I desire mercy, not, not judgment. All right? So for God, mercy is judgment. And what is, what is mercy? Mercy has to do with God having a heart that is always yearning to do good. So in other words, when evil happens, when God sees things that are not bad, his, his very essence of good overshadows what the evil is. I don't know if, I, don't know if I'm, I think I'm making, am I too philosophical? <laughs> All right? Yeah, so God's very essence of good or goodness overshadows evil. It overshadows this thing. That's why it says, uh, that's why it, it talks about God that there's no evil in him at all. You know, there's, it's just a sense of goodness. That's what his mercy is. So everything that he does, he tempers it with mercy, no matter how, you know, how bad it is. No, but are we saying that, you know, go and kill somebody or go and, you know, steal money and all of that? And that's not what we're saying. But we're saying that, you know, when it comes to God, the very essence of his being is goodness. And that goodness always overshadows everything. That's why he deals with us from that very point of good. And we need to come to that place of we understanding the goodness of God, the love of God, the goodness of God, the mercy of God, that God has, you know, not placed us in a place where we should be condemned. So when we are, this, when we are, um, when we're in a place that is not good, the real good thing to do is to remember to, you know, get linked up into the mercy of God. Just call, just know that God has mercy on you. He has had mercy on you and he's still walking his goodness and his goodness will overshadow every, every form of evil or every form of condemnation that we are going through. All right. And that's why in first John, First uh, John chapter three verse twenty. Look at what First John chapter three verse twenty says. Look at where condemnation comes from. Look at what it said. First John chapter three verse twenty. Thank you, sir. Oh, thank you, ma'am. <laughs> Look at what it said. He said, "For if our heart condemns us, you see, God is not the one that's condemning you. The Holy Spirit is not the one condemns that condemns you. All right. Jesus is not condemning you. 
So if there's any sense of condemnation, it has to do, like Sister Morin said, it has to do with your heart. What is the state of your heart? Right? The way you feel the world, the way you talk about the world and all of that, because right there, you know, your soul, your, this, what, what are the desires of your soul? What are the things that you desire? What are the things that you want? Like Brother Dillard said, he said sometimes we want affirmations from people. All right? So because we want people's affirmation, if it's not there, then our hearts condemns us. All right? Sometimes it's because we have this wrong sense of right and wrong, at least from God's perspective, and then our hearts condemns us. So look at what he said. He said, for if our heart condemns us not, God is greater than our hearts, and he knows all things. If our heart, so where does condemnation come? It's from the heart. But look at what he said again in verse 21. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, so every time you are facing condemnation, it's a heart problem, it's a, it's a heart issue. Where is your heart? It's a heart issue. Where is your heart? And when we talk about the heart, we're talking about, you know, where the soul is and, you know, where your soul and where your, you know, your mind and all of that, they're all, you know, a combination of where your heart is, right? That's the very essence of, you know, uh, how your behaviors and all of that and how you relate to the world. That's where it comes from. It comes from, you know, your heart, all right? So he says, but if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And this is really, really, really important because, it, you know, when we're not condemned, the reason why we, the reason why we don't have confidence with God, the reason why we don't have confidence sometimes that God can do whatever he said he can do in our lives. The reason why we don't have confidence that things will not be all right with us, that no matter what we're facing, Right? It's because we don't have confidence with God. And the origin of a lack of confidence is that sense of condemnation. So if your heart does not condemn you, then you have confidence with God. Look at verse 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from him. Because we keep his commandment and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So what are we saying here? The reason why we don't get what we want is because we don't have confidence. That's why I said a double-minded man will not receive. Let him not, let him not deceive himself because he will not receive whatever, you know, because you don't have confidence. You are going to God. The confidence is not there. You are like, okay, um, yeah, I know that God said, but, you know, we always have a but to what God said every time. You know, um, uh, God said he's going to heal you. Yes, I know that God heals. He even healed uh, my brother last week, but, you know, we try to put it in context. We try to to, to, to put it in context because of our state of heart. God can deliver you. You are not going to, uh, you, God said, you know, all the promises of God in him are yea and amen. Oh, yeah, I know, but um, my case is different. All right? Because why? You don't have confidence. The confidence is not there. And the Bible talks about confidence. It says, cast not away your confidence, which has a great recompense of reward. So if we're going to go and we're not confident of what God has done and all of that, I mean, the devil will have the better of us. And that's why it's really, really important. And that's what that message did to me on Sunday. It showed me that at no time, no point, no matter what it is, God is not condemning. If God can go and talk to Abel, if God can go and talk to Adam, do you know what Adam and Eve did? They changed the whole, you know, the whole trajectory of the cosmos, right? They just messed everything up. That was a complete, it was a total mess up. So their sin did not just, their sin did not just affect them alone. 
it affected every other thing that God has created. It affected the people that had not even been born. That was a greater thing. That was a, a much, even much grievous or has greater consequences than what uh, Cain did. Because even Cain was a consequence of what Adam and Eve did. You know, the, the, the fact that Cain did what he did was a consequence of what Adam and Eve did. And yet, with all of that that God has spent time creating, spent seven days, spent uh, this thing, time, and was working everything and trying to bring everything out, when everything went belly up, God still did not condemn them. So if God is not condemning them, what is it about me that God is going to condemn? And the devil knows this, and he walks on that a lot, where he walks on us not having confidence because we walk in condemnation. And so the whole story here is just that we have to walk on our hearts and have to, you know, just get our hearts to a point where our hearts can really, really believe, not just believe but receive, then believe what God has said concerning us, that we are not under condemnation anymore, that there's nothing that can happen that God will put you under condemnation. And when that happens, you'll find out that you start having confidence with God and it is easy to ask and receive whatever it is that God wants us to get. All right. Yes. Okay. And then you. Uh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, since we started this uh, grace message, um, certain things uh, just change. Because 
So he would reason along that line. We don't appreciate God's grace. So to God, he would take a shot. What I'm doing is work on myself, see how I can exercise grace at this uh, mere levels, so to God. And then from there, as I develop, if I can show it, then I should be expecting it. That's all. Amen. That just summarizes the whole thing that I was saying that for hearts to be able to grab that thing, we have to start practicing, all right? We have to start practicing these things that we're hearing, these things that we're, you know, that's the way you build confidence. You build confidence by practicing, by practice, all right? Somebody does something, you're able to forgive, and uh, somebody, does, uh, somebody does you evil, you're, you're able to, listen. that's what the Bible says. It says, when the Bible gave us this standard, or Jesus Christ gave us this standard, is it, is it, uh, is it love those that hate you and despisefully use you? You can start from there. You can start from there. And then when you begin to do that, if you, if, you, if you are beginning to do that through the grace of God and the power of God that God is giving you, if you are beginning to do that, then it's going to be easy for you when you have anything to do with God to have the confidence that, oh, if I can do it because of the grace of God that's in me, that God has you know, shown me and given to me to be able to do that, then it's easy for me not to be condemned. If anything happens, between, you know, if anything happens with me and God, it, it, it builds the confidence, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay, I hope I, I hope we have the answer. Not new, it's always been that. Uh, but uh, sometimes when the issue of grace is presented, I'll be asking myself some questions. Okay. Is there anything called hell? Okay. Then is salvation one saved? Okay. And if somebody is saved and God is not condemning the person again, yeah. then can somebody that have accepted Christ fell off okay. and sentence one save always save, okay? I got your question that um, a person that is saved, can they end up being unsaved and go to hell? Yeah. Maybe that's a summary of what yeah. you're saying, right? Is it, did I get right, right? Yeah. All right. It will be very okay. Okay. The, he, here is what, I know Pastor Bank has dealt with that at one time. He, he dealt with that some time ago. I don't know if anybody remembers. I don't know if anybody remembers that. Okay, I hope. <laughs> uh, in Second Peter 2, okay. it started with just, if God did not spare the angels that sinned, he did not spare the word of Noah, okay. he did not spare, spare Sodom and Gomorrah, but only saved 
Then, at the latter part of the of the verse, talking of Christians now, say for if that verse for if after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and over, overcome. The latter end. The latter end will be worse. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For if it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. So, Because at the time, you know, <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's what I'm looking at. You understand, it's, it's already 8.38, but the thing is, right? We're going to spend a lot of time trying to, you know, break this down. But I say, if we can have a conversation about it now, all right, instead of, you know, setting it up here and then we don't leave here today. Right, okay. Okay, I sometimes, I mean, that question also crosses my mind. But I'm painting a picture of the children of Israel and the Egyptians. Um, when they perish at, you know, let's see. All right, let's pray. Father, this evening we just want to thank you. We bless you. Thank you for bringing us together and thank you for your word that has gone forth. You say your word that you sent forth 
uh, it shall accomplish that which you desire to do. Father, we thank you because what your word, what you desire what to accomplish in our lives tonight, you will accomplish it in the name of Jesus. And there will be fruits to prove them, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right.